This is a 30-second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title, Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from the Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid, so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 Livestream Workshops from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com workshops. What if you could make fresh, delicious meals at home without the stress of planning, prepping, or cleaning up? Introducing Tavala. Tavala is a first-of-its-kind meal service that makes eating well effortless. By combining a countertop smart oven with delivered meals, just scan a QR code to cook dinner. First, choose from a variety of chef-crafted meals delivered weekly to your door. When you're ready to eat, just do one minute of easy prep. Next, scan your meal's QR code with the Tavala Smart Oven while the oven automatically switches between modes and temperatures for the perfect cook. Just sit back and relax. Your food's ready in 25 minutes or less. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. Simplify mealtime today with Tavala. Go to Tavala.com now to save $150 on a Tavala Smart Oven when you agree to order meals six times. That's T-O-V-A-L-A.com. Promo applied automatically at checkout. Tavala, eat well effortlessly. Tavala.com. Now back to Riffin with Raff and AD on 937 The Ticket and TheTicketFM.com. We are back here on this Wednesday night, Riffin with Raff and AD. We have a, another great guest with us here tonight. Yeah, I don't know about great, but we'll let that one slide this time. Uh, riff. You believe this guy? Yeah, I don't know about that. I've got some stories <laughs> about that great part. <laughs> Fans, I'm just going to ask the listeners out there right now. Uh, if you gave someone some money, and in exchange, they say they're going to purchase something for you, but yet you never see the purchase of the money you gave them. Uh, when me and this gentleman I'm going to introduce, both of our, we go back, we know each other probably since we're about 10 years old, if not younger. Um, I gave this individual, he lived in Chicago, and said, hey man, we were in Sunday school, of all places, hustled me in the house of the Lord. Hey man, you give me 20 bucks, I can get you some Jordans. I had emptied out hundreds of trash cans, wiped down plenty of bathrooms working with my dad as a janitor. I gave him that hard-earned $20 in the house of worship, might I add, John. Raft, you know what, man? I believed him. You know, those guys from the cities are kind of hustlers a little bit, you know, and I believed him in the house of worship. And he says, I got you, brother. I got you. I didn't see him a pair of Jordans or my $20, and we're 48, and he's 46 years old now. So I'm going to question some things. I haven't let it go. I'm learning to let it go. Okay, John? Folks, with all due seriousness, but that is a serious story. I ain't lying, though. That man will be $20. But nevertheless, (laughs) (laughs) this guy is not just a guest. 
He's family. He is. Um, we've known each other for many, many years. Like I said, almost close to forty years, actually. And that's a lot of interest on that twenty dollars, too. By the way, uh, <laughs> Carter, I'm gonna just keep it real, man. That's a lot of interest, man. folks. We have in the studio with us today. <laughs> we have John Goodwin, who's the executive director of the Malone Community Center. John, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> John, what happened? Why, why did you hustle me for that money back then, man? You know, when you're young. Um, things happen, mm. and you get the twenty. You you still the Jordans is on his way, brother. Interesting. Trust me, Jordan has retired twice, played baseball, and I still haven't seen those Jordans yet. That makes it more special. <laughs> but what would you what you say down coming down here tonight, AD? That LeBron's better than Jordan? Is that what you said? Look, it's John's face. <laughs> How much time do we have on it? Hey, <laughs> that is a question we're going to put. In fact, folks, again, if you want to call into the Honda of Lincoln Hotline at 402-464-5685 with a starter Heyman text line, 402-999-4620. Are you going with LeBron or are you going with Jordan as the all-time great? LeBron or Jordan, we'll get to that in a second. And also, if you feel free, your favorite coming to America movie line, that boy good. Nevertheless, John. John, again, all due serious, man. It's, it's, thank you for making the time because I know your schedule no uh, is crazy busy running an organization. John, let me ask you this. How long have you been in Nebraska now, man? As a, Like I said, living here. Man, I moved here in 96. Man, that's over 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And been coming here since you were a kid, um, what made you make those trips here? Just kind of explain to the audience what, what the connection with Lincoln, Nebraska was. My, my dad and... Uh, your dad actually were really good friends, actually pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, and every Easter, my dad would come down to your church and and preach mm-hmm. for a long time, very long time. And, uh, <laughs> talking hours, 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 hours. And um, we we that's what we did all year, all uh, every year uh, for Easter. So we'd come down and visit, and we'd hang out. I Man, I think we were. I was eight years old. You were ten. Yeah, I think that's when that started. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, so 38 years ago, and another connection here, uh, John's uh, aunt, Emma Roseberry, and some of you may remember the, the late John Roseberry that had the uh, Shoei Shoei Khan karate mm-hmm. under taekwondo judo here for years. In fact, he taught a lot of the Lincoln police officers back in the day, along mm-hmm. with John Pitts, former Nebraska right. football player, former police officer as well. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, uh, John's uh, uncle, um, uh, John uh, Roseberry, one of the connections there. What made you jump? You first came here. You're from Chicago, okay? Stark contrast to Lincoln, Nebraska, man. Every sense of the way, population, culture, everything else. Like, tell us about growing up in Chicago, though. It was, uh, <laughs> it was interesting. We mm-hmm. actually, I actually grew up in a south suburb, Harvey, mm-hmm. which is uh, not too far from Chicago. Then my mom moved over to 72nd and Norma on the south side. Mm-hmm. So um, it was interesting. A lot of a lot of violence. Um, I loved it. The food is great. So if you've ever been to Chicago, the food is awesome. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I came to Nebraska was because of, of the violence, pretty much. Mm-hmm. In 95, if you remember, I came down here to visit yeah. for about a week to see if I wanted to move here. I got here. I said, no, it ain't nothing out here, man. I'm, I'm, there's no water. <laughs> there's no there's water. No, I mean, I, I want to go to the lakefront. I mean, there's, there's nothing Oak here. Oak Lake, for no, heaven's sake. There was Old Street. That's all there was. <laughs> and so <laughs> I said, you know what? I'm getting out of here. So um, the summer of, it was, it was actually in June. 
I was on my way out to get something to grab something to eat. And as I walked out the house, there was a drive-by shooting right in front of my mm. house and bullets flying through the house. And so I hit the ground, face is on the on the grass. And all I could remember is saying, oh, I can hear the bullets flying over my head, hitting things in the in the yard. And I said, you know what? God, if I make it out of this, I'm moving to Nebraska. Yeah. And that was two months later, got the car and rolled out here with my sister. And she flew back and I've been out here ever since. You know, and JG, we, we, we like I said, we're like brothers. We go back a long way, and we laugh and joke a lot. But you, and this is what we'll get into this later. You became a you you became a statistic in an odd category because if you look at look at stats in the time that you were living in Chicago, growing up, you'd either be dead or in jail. You mm-hmm. made a decision and says, "I'm out of here." What about some of your buddies that were still there? And that was actually when my freshman year in high school, we all was in the auditorium and the principal said, look next to you, look to your right, look to your left. He says, everyone is not going to make it to 21. Hmm. Either they're going to be locked up or shot, dead. And that's exactly what it was. Uh, a few of my friends did, uh, didn't make it. Some of them still locked up. Some of them are hung out on drugs, died from drugs, died from gun violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just blessed to, to make it out of there in time to where I was able to save my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's it's hard to to go back there sometimes to, to see the city and how run down it is. Yeah, uh, and see some of the people that you've grown up with, and they look sixty, and I, you know, and I'm like, man, uh, you age twenty more years. Like, mm-hmm. what's going on? So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough. But I, I lost I lost some friends, um, but I was able to gain some some great ones living here in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. What was the um the influence that your parents played on you and just some of the decisions you made to avoid a lot of that. And some of it was unavoidable. Like you said, you're just walking out of the house. But to where you knew there was going to be certain conflicts, you know, and you look at a lot of the athletes that are at Nebraska today from various parts of the country, very parts of the world, if you would, what was the impact of you having both a mom and a dad at home? And not that it makes one of us, but just literally having a mom and a dad at home. What was the influence that it played in your life? Very important. Um, I, I couldn't get away with a lot of things with my dad around. My mom, mm-hmm. I can sweet talk her. I can get out of there and do something. With your dad, man, he knows exactly what you're doing. Right. And and so he held me accountable. A lot mm-hmm. of expectations um, kept me in sports. Um, that was key for me to be in sports and to stay off the streets. Uh, with his reputation of being a street minister and uh, being a pastor, he had the re- he had the respect of of gang leaders in the city, mm-hmm. uh, even on the south side of Chicago. That's GDs and 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 Blackstones and Vice Lords. So, mm-hmm. um, it was it was it was at one point where all of my friends were in a gang, either one mm-hmm. side or the other, and so I had to choose which one I wanted to be in because it was something like, man, I want to be able to hang out. Right. And when I had gang gang members telling me, no, nah, man, you, no, nah, your dad, your dad's a preacher or no, nah, we respect them too much That's to right. be to, to have you in there. So it was it was it was important to have my parents, you know, in there together working on not just me but both my sisters. Mm-hmm. John, you said something here that is huge, and we'll, we'll allude to this later. But you said accountability and expectations. Why is it important to have expectations for kids today, whether in sports, at the Malone Community Center, just in life in general? Why is it important to have expectations? And accountability. You want to be able to give them a future. You want to be able to find them to see the end. I always, always say this: the vision 
is always the end result of where you're trying to go. <laughs> if I would have known that I would have had to get shot at or dodge bullets uh, to come here and run a community center, if if if, if, <laughs> if God said, look, this is what you're going to have to go through to get to where you, I'd be like, no, that's okay. I don't want to do it. Uh, <laughs> I'll pass. I'll pass on that one. <laughs> but um, it comes a time to where, you want to put the expectations on the young man or the young on the young woman. Give them something to look forward to. Uh, believe for them. Sometimes uh, as a youth, as me growing up, I didn't believe in myself and a lot of the abilities that I may have had or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, what I was trying to accomplish. Right. And so it took a coach. It took a football mm-hmm. coach, a basketball coach. It took a dad or a mom or a neighbor. Mm-hmm. I mean, my neighbors was whooping. You know, they were they were they were jumping on me. Yeah, you ain't doing right. So I would get, I get jumped on <laughs> before I got home and when I got home. That's a whole nother subject. <laughs> so I'm still I'm still asking for an apology from my mother. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that's probably right there with that twenty dollars for the Jordan. Yeah, right. That make up for it. But the, the, to put the expectation on them to say, hey, and then just just don't allow them to try to figure it out themselves, but be there for them to help them along the way was key. Mm-hmm. Um, so having those expectations and being able to assist in their lives is just, it's priceless. You know, John, you, um, just the segment before this one, the show before it's a teammate's mentoring and how important that is. And what you just said is the epitome of what of what you just what they do all the time. You know, as far as mentoring, you know, maybe there be a neighbor, a coach, uh, a teacher, uh, or just someone who who just cares, wants to hold you accountable and and have some expectations for you. You know, you know, John. When I think about your dad, you know, and both of our fathers, me and John have uh, are both lost our fathers in the past three years because you're because uh, Pastor Goodwin's been gone what three years now? Uh, Two thousand seventeen. Two thousand seventeen. You know, mm-hmm. so almost almost five years now. And, of course, my father just, you know, a little over 90 days ago, and those guys were tight. When they would get on the phone, you just hear them laughing, mm-hmm. you know, and just shooting a bull like back in the days, right. man. It was cool to hear them talk. But, you know, I was thinking about the, the place where your father just didn't choose just to live there. He got involved. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we bring this back back to sports, how we all get involved in sports. We love Husker football. We love Husker basketball, gymnastics, bowling, you know, softballs kicking tail right now. In fact, Abby Squire who is kicking butt for right now for the women's softball team is my neighbor. You know, I've, Abby's been swinging that bat since she was, you know, a, ki- a little child, four or five years old. We get involved. We get excited about things like that. But at the end of the day, when we really think about this, that really doesn't impact our lives. You know, it's, it's, it's entertainment. That's where we're, we're, we're in the entertainment business. And it's great entertainment. Don't be wrong. There are jobs and livelihoods that depend on their success. We do get that. We're not negating that fact. But I guess my, my, my call to all of you that may be listening this evening, get involved in your communities. What I mean by that is as John's father. Now, think about Cabrini Green. Mm. Now, those of you who are familiar with the old school show Good Times, Dynamite, <laughs> JJ, you know what I'm saying? That was shot in Cabrini Green. And I was doing some research on Cabrini Green, and I knew a little bit, didn't know this much, but it was completed in 1942. And it was uh, had at first had 586 units. Uh, for soldiers' temporary station in Chicago during World War II. And then with the passage of the 1949 Housing Act, uh, it approved uh, another wave of slum clearance, what they call it, for new public housing construction, as they called it back then, the Cabrini Green Extension. And John, I'm going to take you back here. That a high rise of 1,921 units. 
That was projected in 1958, followed by the William Green Homes. I know you've heard of the William Green Homes that was built. And it was the first, and that had 1,900 units, and that was opened in 1962. But then we know what happened in the 80s. First of all, there was drugs there, but in the 80s when the crack cocaine came in and changed everything. Mm -hmm. Your father would go into these places. I mean, the roughest, I mean, the roughest, the roughest Mm -hmm. areas in the country. Not just Chicago. You've got Detroit just north of you guys. We're talking about in the country. How did that impact you that he chose not just to sit idly by, but he wanted to get involved and make a difference? How did that impact you growing up, man, for him to get involved? He, he became more of my hero than ever. Uh, there was areas, and I, I hung around in some, in some areas. I've, <laughs> I've hung around in some tough areas, but Karini Green was one area that a brother did not hang out in. Mm-mm. And, in fact, you had to get permission to even go in wow. um, from the gang leaders at that time. And so he got permission, get this, he got permission from the gang leaders to go inside Cabrini Green mm. and and put up a microphone and and witness to gangbangers, prostitutes, uh, pimps. Uh, from that, he was able to build friendships, uh, get people clean from off drugs, mm-hmm. alcohol, uh, abuse, mm-hmm. um, I would see them sitting next to, next to me because I was forced to go to church. So I was interested. I would sit them. <laughs> I would see them next, right next to me. I'm like, man, bro, what? You know, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out at the time because I was, I was younger. Right. But the older I, I, I've gotten, I realized the respect that he had in that city. Mm. Um, to be able to go to any part in Chicago and witness to anybody that he wanted to witness to, not just him, but my mom was right there with him, um, to go into the Robert Taylor homes uh, mm. and go into those and go into those homes and grab people out of there, man, and, and take them back to their families, clean them up, mm. get them in the programs, mm-hmm. see them at church, I mean, and work with them. I've mm-hmm. seen that every Saturday morning. That's what he would do every Saturday morning. John, you, that area began to change um, because of gentrification. Mm-hmm. And to our listeners out there who are not through, and I'm not going to say genderification, it's gentrification. And some of you know what it does, maybe just in case you don't, gentrification is when they go into, and I say go into, investors, uh, people with money, they'll go into those areas and they will bulldoze and they'll buy those facilities, or those apartments, uh, those high rises that are you know d- dilapidated, need some help, and they will buy them for most pennies on the dollar. But then they will put all the money to improve them but those improvements mean the people that live there can't afford to live there anymore. Gentrification has changed our society. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some areas that need facelifts, and we're wrong. We, we need those things, but we can't kick out the people who don't have the income to stay in those areas. So not mm-hmm. making this a business or political thing, but at the same time, you've seen that take place firsthand mm-hmm. in that area. What, and, because, and they changed that area because it was getting real close in what they call it here, uh, the North Town uh, North town village right now because by 2009 most computer games were already fallen to the wrecking ball because you know that was close to the north side mm-hmm. you know the lake lake shore drive and things like that mm-hmm. what is that area like now man you can't even recognize it it's you, you wouldn't be able to recognize it not just that area but the area across from it used to be called comiskey park but where the white Sox play cellular park across from that was was the projects as well hmm. and so what happened was that when they got rid of those projects where I was living in Harvey growing up, that's where all those people ended up. Harvey, Maywood, mm-hmm. Country Club Hills. So the crime rate went up 
almost seemed like a hundred percent. Right. And then now you have people who are sticking you up and you don't even know who these people are. Hmm. You know, normally you would know who's walking the street. Right. You wouldn't know who those people are. So when I moved here, um, even my dad, I mean, he didn't know who they were, but they were coming from the city. And he, I mean, even he got stuck up in his own driveway. I mean, they held him up gunpoint and, and robbed him and took his van. I mean, wow. you know, and he's just standing there and I'm sitting there like, man, well, who, who? He says, you wouldn't know him because they didn't know me. Right. You know, because right. everyone in that in that town, in that city of Harvey, I mean, we just knew each other. Knew each other. And looked out for each other. And looked out for each other. But I mean, so it was tough to see. It was tough to see that uh, that the suburb even got. It became Chicago. It became that south side, west side of Chicago. John, growing up like that, how has it equipped you now? The Malone Community Center, which I grew up in, you know, you got here and took over. A lot of people who are Lincoln, Nebraska natives know about the Malone Community Center, what they've been doing for uh, many for so long. So the Clyde T. Malone Center uh, was executive director of the original one, the Lincoln Urban League, which changed into that. Uh, but it was followed by Mr. William, uh, Milliard Willage, who was the founder of it. How was all of that? You're in Lincoln, Nebraska. You're at the Malone Community Center. You're downtown Lincoln, basically, which is, you know, major contrast to downtown Chicago. However, it's our relative part of it. It's our relative where you're from. How has that background prepared you for the youth that you deal with right now? The diversity, different socioeconomic status from all over. You know, the kids are from different different levels. How has that prepared you for today, what you do at the Malone Community Center? I wouldn't be prepared if it wasn't for the experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. The, those experiences prepared me to... Uh, be able to offer and to know that it's going to take different experiences for our youth and for our families to experience the success that they feel that success is mm-hmm. for themselves and for their families. And you guys have a, a very diverse um, um, population of students, families. What are some of the programs you guys offer at the Malone Community Center? Well, we have a we have a partnership with uh, Ruth Staples uh, mm-hmm. over at um, East Campus of University. Um, where we have a preschool there from uh, Monday through Friday from 7.30 to 5.30. Mm-hmm. Then we have an after-school program where we pick up from 13 different schools. We bring to oh, our wow. facility. We feed them. Uh, we work with homework. Homework, they learn in a lot of different things as far as gardening, cooking, um, the STEM, learning robotics, learning those type mm-hmm. deals, technology, aviation that we're getting ready to add here pretty soon. Oh, wow. Um, and then we have a teen program where they're learning how to be entrepreneurs. Our young men and young women are learning business, uh, how to own their own business. What is that about? Um, the economics of it. We have a, a take pause program where we are working. Our youth are working with the police. And when I say working with the police, they're learning each other, learning each mm-hmm. other's verbiage. They go out and watch a movie or go out and hang out, uh, go bowling or go plant trees in the community to where we are building that rapport and that relationship with each other. So we know how to act and know what to do when we're running up against each other. Right. And when no one's nervous because we, we know we understand we know each, each other. other. Um, we have a maternal wellness program who is, is now not just in Lincoln, but is in Omaha to where we're working with BIPOC uh, individuals, young young women and, and, and moms and, and even uh, their dads even, uh, to educate them on breastfeeding and the importance of breastfeeding and breastfeeding mm-hmm. their babies. Right. We've also added doulas, postpartum doulas oh, wow. and doulas to help them so, uh, with that support, uh, giving them the moms that support that they need and the encouragement that they need. Uh, so we in, in in Lincoln and in North Omaha with that program. Um, uh, minority health initiative that we have that we are educating the community on diabetes, high blood pressure, 
uh, obesity. And we've added an important piece that we have, uh, 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 I would say, we will push under the rug at times, which is mental health in our community. Yes, so we are addressing that. So we do have a licensed therapist that come mm-hmm. every day and work with our kids and work with our families. Uh, a men's program that we are getting started. Uh, for mentors of our young men and, and our young women. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're added, we added sports programs. We have track, we have football, we have basketball, we have volleyball. And we use those sports to as a worm on the hook to draw them in because mm-hmm. everyone loves sports. Mm-hmm. And, and for us and for me, sports kept me out of trouble. Right. And you want to keep these kids active and keep them doing something that they love to do. Mm-hmm. But on the back end of that, we want to teach them technology. So coding, right. um, uh different things of to where aviation to where they can get their hands. What we want to do is offer different experiences for the youth so we can have more successful outcomes. John, you guys are doing a tremendous amount of good um, for the neighborhood. In fact, there was something my mom would always say in that she, there was a, a, a gentleman that, that made this up. It wasn't mine, but she said, there is some good that can come from the hood. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I love that, man. There is some good that can come from the hood. That's she right. told me that. In fact, me and Kenji got those put it on T-shirts and everything like that because I think sometimes if they can't see further than that neighborhood, they can't see any further. So I'm glad that you're, you and your team have added all those different experiences and outlets for them to see. There's a lot that we can do, and we're capable. And it goes back to what you said earlier, accountability and expectations. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to segue this a little bit. In fact, if you want to learn more about the Malone Community Center, just go to the Malone.org. MaloneCenter.org. MaloneCenter.org if you want to learn more about that. And talking about accountability, growing up a Chicago sports fan, 85 Bears. The greatest team ever. Oh, here we go. You know, you had, you, were, you, were, you, were, you had my heartstrings a second ago. Now you're just pissing me off with this greatest <laughs> team ever stuff. Forget, you're forgetting about the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Denver Broncos, whatever. But nevertheless, uh, John, growing up a Chicago sports a Bears fan, you know, what, what was that like? A lot of disappointment. I understand that besides 85. But other than that, what was that like growing up? We had 2006. You know, Lovey, Lovey screwed it up. But we had 2006 with Hester. And Can we just talk about more victories don't count? But <laughs> Come on, brother. <laughs> Chicago is a great city for sports. Yes, I mean, is. although we haven't been we haven't been winning Super Bowls and championships since the '90s, uh, NBA championships. But man, Chicago is a great place if you want to catch a game. Wrigleyville, baseball. I mean, it's it's a it's a wonderful place, man, to be to to catch sports. I love it. That's one of the things that I miss. Yeah. So are you Cubs or are you White Sox? I am rare, so I'm a Cubs fan. Living on the South Side, All so right. I'm a Cubs right. fan. That's like, you can get beat up for something like that, couldn't you? You could. Yeah. You definitely could. But a whole lot of other things you could, too. (laughs) (laughs) So, John, I'm going to ask you this, man. So, the Bulls days were the great days. You know, we're going to get into Husker football here in a second, too. But, you, I mean, how was, okay, I'm not saying everybody was a Bulls fan because everybody wasn't. Because I really didn't have a favorite team. I liked guys, you know, who played on teams. You know, so it was Magic back in the day, and, of course, Jordan. So, 91, 92, 93, Jordan takes a break, 96, 97, 98. What was that like living in the city? Now, granted, you weren't there in 90s. I mean, you lived here starting after 96, but still, I mean, you're still from there. That's your place. I mean, six championships, two back-to-back, three, no, three, two three-peats. Mm-hmm. As a native Chicagoan, how was that experience, man? Listen, it's hard to, it's hard to explain, especially when you watch them. Um, when you're there watching them at the game, mm-hmm. 
uh, Jordan would have camps. And my mom is probably going to kill me if she if she hear this, even to this day. But I skipped school oh, to oh go watch. Now, this is rare. This there is goes worth, that accountability this part is, we were talking about. This is worth about, skipping school. This is worth <laughs> skipping school. I skipped school to go to the camp where he was playing at. So I was actually this close from where you were, where Jordan is, and I'm watching him play. And I understood why people just stopped and just watched him play. We're going to come back to this story about accountability, him skipping school. <laughs> We're going to pay some bills. You'll be back with Ripping with Raff and AD and our guest, John Goodwin. And up 8 o'clock, we have Hall of Famer, Green Bay Hall of Famer, Nebraska Hall of Famer, Amon Green. Come up at 8, so stick with us. This is a 30-second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title, Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from the Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid, so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 live stream workshops from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com workshops.